0: Again, everyone, uh, it's Josh and Mara and Paul here again, and uh, we're here for another version of our uh, discussion. Uh, we're in currently in the Level Up series. This is week uh, three, four, uh, four, yeah, four of, of Level Up. And so uh, we're just going to take a look at this, this next passage and dive in a little bit. And uh, I know we've enjoyed looking through this, but there's a lot to it. And so we're just going to jump right in. Um, and, uh, Paul, will you give us a little background to where we're at right now?
1: Sure. We're, we're right after the crucifixion. Jesus has been crucified on a, uh, on a Friday, and uh, they placed him in a tomb late Friday afternoon. Uh, he's in the tomb all, all night Friday and uh, all day Saturday. And then early in the morning, the ladies go, and we talked about that last week or a couple weeks ago. The ladies came to the tomb and, and found that Jesus wasn't there. And then this is later on that same day. This is later that first day. It, it's before and Jesus has met with his disciples, Jesus. And, and we have two disciples that, that aren't well-known disciples. They're not one of the 12. They're not the inner circle. You have these two guys, one of them is named Cleopas, and, and they've they're been in Jerusalem and they're they're walking towards Emmaus, and so as they're walking on this first day of the week, which is a Sunday, uh, that which would not have been like a high holy day for them. This was just like Monday for us. Uh, it's it's sacred to us because Jesus rose on Sunday, but to them it had just been a typical day, and probably they were returning from the feast, returning back home, and so they're they're walking. Uh, towards Emmaus, and they're talking about all these things that have happened with Jesus. And of course, they're distressed and and worried, and 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 uh, a little bit without hope. And and um, Jesus comes up to them, and uh, they don't recognize Jesus. His, he he's, he's withheld his um, uh, who he is from them, or somehow they don't understand who he is. And they begin to tell Jesus the story of his death and his resurrection. Which is which is kind of humorous when you think about. It. They're going, "Hey, you remember this guy?" And, yeah, that was me. Um, and 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 Jesus lets them tell the story. I mean, we have uh, about five verses of these guys telling Jesus the story, and he just lets them tell him the story, and he doesn't stop them. And, and then he begins. He he begins with this real uh, kind word to them: "How foolish you are!" <laughs> in other words, he smacks him in the forehead, says, "You guys are goofs." And, and begins to explain to them what this all means using the Old Testament text. And, and so they come close to the village, and, and as they're coming close to the village, Jesus acts like he's going to go further, uh, but, but they're so intrigued with his explanation of everything that they, they, they basically beg him, they urge him strongly in one translation, stay with us, you know, we, we want to hear more. Uh, and so he went in to stay with them, and, he, and they sit at the table, and uh, he took the bread, and he broke it, and he began to give, he gave thanks and gave them the bread, and then their eyes are opened in, in this communion-like act, and they recognized him, and then he's gone. And, and they, they, they say to each other, you know, wasn't our hearts burning inside us while he was talking? And so they get up, (laughs) even though they probably paid for the room for the night, but they get up and they begin to head back to Jerusalem and find the 11 and uh, those with them. And and they tell them it's true. Uh, The Lord has risen and has appeared. um, And and then they told them what had happened and how they recognized him uh, when he broke the bread.
0: Yeah. Uh. Yeah, that's uh, and it's a lot. Uh, I don't think we mentioned just, uh, and I forgot to as we were starting, but that's uh, the passage is Luke chapter 24, uh, 13 through 35, if you want to jump uh, and, and read that. Um, oh, I, I forgot to mention it. <laughs> What's that?
2: Oh, I'm just making it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's actually, I mean,
2: it sounded like you're reciting it from memory. I was actually yeah. pretty impressed.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was, that was good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's actually in the Bible in Luke, Luke chapter 24, if you want to check it out. But uh, man, so many, so many different things here. Um, going through it, there's there's just so many different angles that we can take this and, and direction. Um, I don't want to just lead uh, everything where I want to go. Um, so Mara, why don't we, why don't you start us off um, things that, things of note for you that that jumped out
2: um i think probably one of the most interesting parts is right there at the beginning and it says like jesus himself came and walked with them but they were kept from recognizing him and um i find that just so interesting and part of like my brain just wants to know like well how like how did they not recognize his voice how did they not recognize his face and like um almost that idea that he did he concealed his identity from them And um, I don't know, I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on like, why was that an important thing that he could be with them, but yet like them not recognize him? How is that kind of important to the end of the story? I think it depends on what how we interpret that their
1: eyes were kept from recognizing him. Uh, We I think we most of the time we assume that God kept them from recognizing him, or Jesus kept him from recognizing him. But it could be that they're That their minds and their paradigms and what they expected Mm. kept them from seeing Jesus. And and I think, because I think oftentimes I'll see problems where God's already at work, but I won't recognize it that God's at work because of the paradigms that I carry. Now, but it could be the other way that, that, that just, I think there's two different ways of looking at that. What, why didn't they recognize him? Was it something internal or was it something that God did to keep them from recognizing him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I've wondered and, and heard uh, the last that they had seen him, he was beaten, probably beaten beyond recognition, uh, bloody hanging on a cross. That was the last uh, picture of Jesus they had in their mind. And so, I don't know, like in this resurrection, was it a new, were were those wounds healed? I I have no idea. I mean, that's just totally just just thinking that through. But uh, were they expecting, again, just a different expectation, were they expecting this beaten man uh, beyond recognition, and now all of a sudden he wasn't? Like, I I don't know. Um, Yeah, there's probably a a million different things that – reasons. (laughs) reasons. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have the, do you have the answer for us, Mara?
2: Oh yeah. I will be sure. No, I kind of took it two ways too. I'm like, okay, well either it was like that their perception, like Paul was saying was kind of clouded by their emotions. I mean like this idea that this mental block, like dead people don't come back to life. So I'm not looking for Jesus to be here because my brain does not mm-hmm. understand that that's even a possibility. And right. I'm also just feeling so hopeless and lost. But then I also thought, I was like, you know what, if it was something like that, um, was more of like Jesus concealing himself, I can see the value in that because I feel like he needed to, um, to teach them. They needed to be able to hear words almost objectively without being overwhelmed by that joy and, um. I feel like overwhelming, um, yeah, overwhelming joy at seeing him. And I feel like that would have been much harder for him to say, but guys, I need you to listen to this. If they're already just so excited to see him.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That's good. Um, Paul, do you like in this first part, is there something else that, that kind of stuck out to you, jumped out to you? Well, I, 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 think you know? I
1: think it all kind of rolls, you know, just the ideal of where he is. <laughs> and in and, and my mind, you know, so I'm, I'm out walking, Kobe, uh, and I. this stuff just runs through my mind, and, and running through my mind through all this is, what is he doing during this time? I, I mean, where is he going? Who's he appearing with? I mean, so you've got this day where he appears to several people, and then you have eight days later, you know, where he appears again, and and you have all... In the Bible so so what's going on those other seven days and and why is he in this middle of this road with these two guys that aren't stars in the story uh, and, and I think that's what strikes me or, or stands out that he doesn't go to the upper room where Peter James and John are and where the rest of the eight are he, he doesn't he's not with his mom or his family, as far as we can tell. But he's on this road to Emmaus, to these guys, with these guys that really play no part in the rest of the story that we see. I mean, I don't believe uh, that Clopas is mentioned again, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So he's mentioned this one time. And why? why? Why does he pick these two guys uh, to to make this significant appearance with and, you know, th- this ideal that he's trying to walk by them and, and, uh, Hey, you know, and it just, that, that's what strikes me is yeah. the ordinariness of mm. this, you know, yeah. th- this isn't in the temple. This isn't some high emotional scene until the end. It's yeah. just, just there in this simple walk.
0: Yeah. It's ordinary. It's ordinary. That is closely tied with so much irony to like, just that, that they didn't recognize them. The irony there, the irony of Jesus saying, what are you talking about? And they're, and you know, like, it, it, I mean, it would essentially be the equivalent of someone saying like, what's COVID-19? Never heard of it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> and they're like, what, how, you, you can't not know about this. And so just, man, the irony and the or, ordinary, whatever Uh, yeah it's just such a such a fascinating thing it makes me wonder if he was doing this regularly where he was concealing himself in those eight days that you're talking about Paul like is he just going around concealing himself like hanging out with people and nobody knows who this guy is
2: (laughs) and I think that's almost like my favorite part is it's like as soon as they recognized him he disappeared
1: right yeah. And so,
2: yeah, as you just kind of hanging out, like, okay, well, as soon as they get it, uh, I, I'm on to my next on my next visitation here.
0: So, okay, so all right, uh, go with go with me here. Uh, humor me for for a second. If Jesus is doing re- making regular appearances like this, uh, where he's concealing himself, whatever, he's not recognized in these other eight days. This happens to be. Uh, these two happen to be pretty obscure characters. We don't know who they are. We don't know anything about them, which is a lot like Jesus in, in other scenarios where he kind of uh, appears and, you know, the shepherds and they were the first to hear the good news of Jesus and, uh, and so on and so forth. But well, let's say he's, he's making these appearances to other people that aren't recorded in scripture who are, uh, who are nobodies. Um, and he, he's kind of disguised. This would be a different story, because at some point they recognize Jesus, and this is kind of jumping ahead in the in the statement or in the uh, in the story um, they don 't recognize Jesus until they see Jesus kind of doing what Jesus always does, which is you know, being hospitable and eating with other people and things like that, um, which immediately follows these two disciples actually doing a very similar thing and extending hospitality, um, wanting him to stay, stay with them for safety, for, for hospitality, for just sheer curiosity. Um, So I'm wondering, man, were there other uh, people that he was appearing to in disguise, but they never gave him the opportunity to reveal himself. And, and, but because these guys were, were willing to, uh, to host to entertain to be hospitable towards Jesus that he i don 't know is that just totally way, way out there? I, this all just came to me as we were talking about
1: this. <laughs> well, I think there 's a real likelihood I mean, the Bible says, beware of how you entertain strangers, you might be entertaining an angel unaware or a messenger unaware and, and that's not that 's a paraphrase, but I mean there is this this reality that oftentimes we don 't know, and uh, you know how how many times did people have opportunity? To, to perhaps encounter the risen Jesus, uh, but yeah. they weren't willing to accept or, or express a welcome to him.
2: Right. I mean, I would wonder maybe even the ways that he would have disguised himself. I mean, he talks about like what you do to the least of these you do for me. Would they possibly have encountered him as, as a beggar on the side of the road, as someone who appeared to have leprosy, those outcasts, those fringes of society? Well, yeah. Was he appearing other places and, and being missed?
1: Hmm. I guess that begs the question: How often do we miss him here when, when we just yeah. don't extend the hospitality like we should? I mean, how often? I mean, that's Mother Teresa is famous for saying that she sees Jesus in the most distressing disguises, mm-hmm. and, and so yeah. oftentimes, how often do we miss opportunities to have this fresh encounter with Jesus just because we're not willing to mm. to practice radical hospitality, missional hospitality?
0: Yeah yeah their hospitality led to them being able to see huh that's fascinating that uh that was nowhere in our notes and <laughs> like i said kind of popped in my head but i think that's a that's a pretty pretty good thought um yeah let's let's talk uh let's talk maybe about the these two disciples uh maybe kind of what they were feeling where they were going um just the devastation that they um they had had. What are your thoughts on that? What what they might've been thinking or what they were doing. (laughs) I mean, we know they're going back to Jerusalem, but, or to Emmaus rather. Um, but yeah. What do you think?
1: I think they're going back to hat in hand Mm -hmm. that, uh, probably fill in that the last, if they were disciples that had followed and we know there were more than just the 12 that had followed and given up things and Mm -hmm. followed. And, you know, they're they're referred to, I believe, in the passage as disciples. And I think they're going home with dashed hopes. I think they're going home hat in hand thinking, well, that was a waste of three years. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I kind of um, think it's interesting and maybe even just um, a point of courage that they were even willing to discuss with what seemed like a stranger kind of what they were doing, how they were feeling. I mean, I think that there would definitely have been that temptation to distance themselves from the situation. Um, I find it really interesting that they were were willing to be so open and honest, um, and admitting that they were like associated with him and following him.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I Man, that, the devastation, I, the, the key phrase that, that when, so when, Uh, When they start telling Jesus before they knew it was Jesus, uh, just what they were doing and what had happened. And there's that key three words there. We had hoped. Uh, And then they talk about what they what they had hoped for. They hoped that this was the Messiah, that this was this guy was the one who was going to was going to bring them to power, was going to uh, do away with their enemies. Um it was just it was going to be their kind of their mighty strong warrior and we had hoped. And so I think that that, that idea of we had hoped um kind of just kind of paints the picture of what where they were at, what they were feeling. Uh man, we had all of these hopes. In fact, we hoped so much that we gave our entire last three years for this. And now this is it's it's done. <laughs> we had hoped, but our hope is is uh, is is over. Um Let's talk what, about that. Wouldn't Go you
1: love to, to be there? Uh, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. You know, you have that one verse. Don't you wish you could have heard Jesus precisely explain everything using the scripture? I wish they would have included yeah. that part in the narrative. Yeah. That's when I see this, I think, man, the big part of this is verse 27. And it's just like, dig yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, I think it's huge. Um, Cause so, so as I was thinking about that, as, as Jesus was retelling this story base, I mean, he's telling a story that they already know, like Hmm. these guys, like all of those, all of those points in history that Jesus would have been talking about like they already, they've heard that story. They know that story. Uh, that's all extremely familiar to them. Um, but then all of a sudden, Jesus retells the story in light of himself, um, which is so significant for us um, in, in how we handle all of Scripture, um, specifically the Old Testament. So maybe that there's a good discussion point. How does that, or what does this say, or what are the implications to us in how we Uh, Handle Old Testament, the story, that kind of thing.
1: No, the Old Testament. We need to get to that too. But our own stories. Uh, I mean, Mm, how how do we tell our own story in light of Jesus? Uh, Just not as a side note, but as the central part of our story is Jesus. And 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 we can't even have clear understandings. I don't believe of of our personal stories, of our story as a community, Mm. as our story of as families and church. I, I think. Jesus gives fullness to those stories. But go ahead, I'm sorry Josh, I interrupted.
0: No, that's that, that's absolutely right. Uh yeah, I hadn't really thought about it in terms of our stories. Um but but truly it's it should be everything, right? Like every aspect of our being should be uh viewed in light of of Jesus. Uh, with Jesus as the the backdrop or with Jesus lens whatever whatever you want to you want to you want to do. Um, I think so obviously, you know, it's, it's easy from this side. We can, we can sit back and say, oh, man, they should have understood the Old Testament the way that it was supposed to be understood. And, and we can kind of have that. Um, but they didn't have that luxury, so I, I, can't, really, uh, I can't really blame them.
1: Will it be will it be bad for me to say i wish jesus would explain some of the old testament to me i mean oh so for I, sure i don't completely understand what's going in the old testament oh
0: absolutely absolutely but i think that it so just them not them not understanding it uh through the lens of jesus um because they couldn't uh it it kind of i think it perhaps set them up for some of these expectations that they had uh, and misunderstandings of, and, and, and kind of led them to these dashed dreams. Again, I don't know that necessarily to any fault of their own, um, per se. Um, but, but I, but I wonder, is there a correlation there for us then if we, um, whether it be the Old Testament, all of scripture, our story, uh, all of that, are we, does, does not viewing things or, Uh, in light of Jesus or or through a a lens of Jesus, does that lead us to kind of maybe um, expectations that aren't real or right or misunderstanding? I don't, I don't know if I'm wording that correctly. So maybe you guys can jump in before I just (laughs) oral vomit everything. (laughs) What
1: do you think, Mara?
2: I mean, no, I I think it, Definitely does. When we when we kind of look back through it with that lens, I feel like some of the key things that pop out are just from the very beginning, like that God had this rescue plan in mind and it was for all nations. I think sometimes it's easy to read back through and get caught up almost in this elitism of like this chosen people, like and they were a vessel to accomplish a larger task. And so I feel like when, when we can look back through the lens of Jesus, we can see over and over again this um, this covenant, this promise that it was going to be for everyone through this, but for everyone. And I think when we lose sight of that part, the, that inclusiveness, we can easily fall into a who's in who's out instead of seeing this as a rescue plan for the entire world, for his creation, that is dearly loved and pursued by him.
1: And I, and I think that's when you get into their, their phrase is we thought he was the one that was going to redeem Israel.
2: Right. Yeah. At their ideal of the plan.
1: And, 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 I mean, this personal, you know, what's in it for me uh, mm. mentality, which I, I think that we can we can default to even in the modern church, that when things sure. aren't going our way, somehow Jesus hasn't come through or he's going to come through later and restore uh, whatever we feel like we've lost. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus yeah. doesn't work in that way, that, that it's not about our kingdoms, but his kingdom uh, always, ever. And uh, so, yeah. I yeah you you got to read it through the lens that um, <clears throat> he's for everybody or he's for nobody. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by this just this idea of the expectations of Jesus um, for them and the implications for us. So I wonder. Okay, maybe this is a, a good um, what or okay as American Christians we we are christians in america that's just that's who we are that's that's our setting um are there inherent inherent um maybe dangers or misconceptions um that we are more prone to when it comes to jesus as our savior as our messiah and i hope that makes sense what i'm asking there um like, okay, so let me I'll I'll just jump it i 'cause I'm I'm seeing maybe a little a little bit of confusion on, on, on faces. Um, I that's think, my like, thinking
2: face, Josh. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Which for me thinking is usually confusion. So it's the same
2: thing. True, me. true. Um, yeah,
0: um, I, I just wonder so we've you know we've been set in this backdrop of being this great country and and mm-hmm. where um, Christian values you know, you can argue to what extent, but have kind of been the dominant um idea and and so I wonder, I guess this is just me thinking, are we more prone to holding on to these ideas that Jesus, that what Jesus is going to do for us is to kind of continue to propel forward us in places of of power and the dominant culture, um are we more, I guess, are we more in danger of that because of our cultural setting than maybe other Christians throughout the world?
1: I think we, we value individual rights to an extent that, that that may have, more than that, that may have an impact on how we view Christianity because it becomes all about this individual thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when Jesus is inviting us to be part of a community that he's saving, he's saving us in and through community that there's this ideal of connection um, but but I also believe that we we sometimes associate Christianity with power um, but but it 's not yeah. just in a, in the United States I think that's been so sure. throughout world history oh, since Constantine, right yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so that yeah that's that's a very difficult thing to you yeah. know you begin to associate um, Christianity with voting rights or uh, voting uh, Voting in certain ways. Yeah.
0: Or getting the right person in, right?
1: right person in. And, and, and let's face it, we've not voted for Jesus yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I don't think he'd ever run. He, he wouldn't get elected if he did no. run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. Maybe, Mari, you... you
2: Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, I feel like our our culture in America, especially is also this um, tie to like wealth and prosperity and these blessings and um, sometimes equating every blessing we have as um, that we are so blessed because God loves us so much. And I think that that's a difficult thing to translate into other situations, other countries, other people in our country who financially, economically have less than us. And I feel like when we equate God's blessings with our prosperity, then that becomes a really tough um, a tough way to approach trying to under, uh, understand and talk about a God who loves you when we seem to almost, whether we say it or not, he, he loves certain people more because they have more. They've been blessed mm-hmm. more. They have had fewer trials, fewer troubles in their life. And um, so I've, that's sometimes for me, I feel like what I, I feel under the under the, the surface there is that that tension.
1: Yeah, I, I sure I'm reminded of the letters to the churches and I think it's Laodicea that's so rich. And, you know, and, and they've got this medicine for eyes and, and everything's so good. And, and, and God says, Jesus says to, to John the Revelator, you think you're so rich and you think you're dressed so well and you think you see so great. And what you don't realize is you're poor and you're blind and you're naked. <laughs> and, and I think in a lot of ways, our strengths become our weaknesses, that, that, that where we think we're strong, we don't allow God to work like he'd like.
2: Yeah.
0: That's good. That's good. So, um, I think maybe two more, two more points. I I definitely want to hit on. Um, let's go. So with, with that as the backdrop, these, um, these failed expectations or, or things that didn't come, uh, the way that they wanted them to led to, um, led to disappointment. Uh, dashed dreams, their hopes were what they'd hoped for had not um, come true. What I think is, uh, is, is interesting is Jesus didn't, when, when they started talking about their disappointment, Jesus didn't immediately just fix things, right? Like it seems to suggest that he kind of, you know, whether they, I, I think that might say they stopped and then told the story or kept walking, whatever, but like he, he took the time to listen to that story uh to hear them to talk to them now of course that was after jesus said you fools what are you <laughs> what do you like why don't you know what's going on here um yeah exactly <laughs> um so uh, I, I don't know i do you think there's significance to to jesus not just fixing their if depression
1: if you're a believer And you're hopeless, it's not because you're without hope, it's because you're you're misaligned on what you're hopeful for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not your circumstances that are misaligned, it's what you're seeking. It's it's the hope that you have. Our our hope is not in our circumstances. I mean that that, that's why you know Jesus is trying to realign how they're perceiving things. Mm -hmm. And 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 we are people of hope. And if we're really believers, if you're really trusting him, you really, if you really belong to him, there's no reason for any of us not to have hope. Not, not that we don't go through emotional ups and downs, I'm not suggesting that, uh, but, but oftentimes it's not, it's not because our circumstances need to be changed that our perspective needs to be changed in those circumstances.
2: Yeah. I was kind of thinking of that old expression, like you give a man a fish, like he eats for a day, you teach a man to fish and like he can eat for his whole life. Like Jesus could have totally wowed them. I mean, like he could have revealed himself to them. And in that moment, they would have rejoiced that question of whether or not he had actually resurrected, like that would have totally, that would have been answered for them in that second. Like they could have had that big experience, that, that spiritual high. Um, but I think it's really interesting that instead of that, He, he like teaches them almost what to do with that question, with those hurts, with that uncertainty. And he like walks them through the scriptures. Like, I think that's so interesting that instead of him just giving them a fresh revelation, here I am, he takes them back to something that they've had their whole lives and shows them a new way to understand it, a new way to dig into it deeper, um, and I just think that's so interesting that he was, he was teaching them and teaching us through this um, that maybe it's not that big experience, that spiritual high that we can be looking for, but we can be using the tools, the community, the people that we already have around us as a way to, um, to learn to seek him better.
0: Hmm. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um,
1: and their response wasn't, it's all clear, their response was More
2: yeah oh, they said like my our hearts were burning in us. I mean, when you yeah. hear someone speaking truth to you, like yeah you you respond to that
0: yeah yeah I think that I think that the truth is though, is that we 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 have to acknowledge that um as people we do go through disappointment. Absolutely, and uh, and our hopes are, are dashed.
1: I don't uh, feel like I'm part of the club. Both of you have like big cups that you're drinking from, and I, I guess I need to have a big cup. Yeah, I'll take a, a sip. that I have two the
0: Fairbanks Panthers today.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I've got my coffee and my water, so. <laughs> uh,
0: yes. Yeah. Um no, that's good. Yeah, but uh, but just. I think that that acknowledgement of the almost in listen in Jesus, listening to them, it was almost a, an acknowledgement of their dash dreams and hopes that Mm -hmm. and expectations that were not met. And so I think it's important that we acknowledge that there are um, there are situations in our lives where our expectations are not met. And what Mm -hmm. we had hoped for is not coming to fruition. And there's no amount of Bible verse or encouragement that is going to change that circumstance and make, those hopes come to fruition. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, that walking through and that pointing them to something, because the truth is their resolution to what they had hoped for actually came to fruition. It's just that their resolution was totally different than what the resolution that they had hoped for. Um, Which I think, Paul, is kind of what you were talking about, that
1: what we're we're hoping for is maybe not actually what we thought that we're hoping for. And the conversation didn't end see he, he didn 't put it into the conversation they yeah. went for it as I, as I watch and you know we 're participating in this. My hope for our people is that this isn 't the end of the conversation about scripture but the beginning of the conversation that, that in, in your homes that you just continue to have conversations. Because we could talk about the Bible for a long time, and that's not a bad thing to talk about. We could talk about Jesus all day long. And so we're, I'm hoping, as we're sitting here having this conversation, that this spurs conversations around your dining room table and in, and around your living room. It's more interesting than Tiger King anyhow. Let's just face it. Uh, you know, some conversations that we need a and, uh, And so... Yeah, just thinking that as we were talking about this, that, you know, we can talk about Jesus for a long time and, and not yeah. exhaust the t- topic.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of tiger King, um, <laughs> this actually has nothing to do with tiger King. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's, let's kind of maybe final point of discussion. And then we'll, we'll kind of do a quick, uh, quick little applications. Um, all of this leads up to this moment where their eyes, scripture says their eyes were open and they finally saw and that point of kind of resolution or, or their eyes being open uh, was Jesus breaking the bread. Um, and so I just want to maybe explore that. Um, uh, I, I've i kind of like, I've thought of it um, previously of just like, as they were sitting there, um, were they like, is, was it that moment that they remembered like all these memories kept came flooding back of like, man, I remember Jesus, Doing this, like he gave thanks with the bread when he was feeding the crowds yeah. um now these weren't these weren't part of the twelve, so they weren't necessarily in that upper room um before uh, on the th- on the thursday um mm-hmm. but here's what i'm here's what i'm wondering and, and uh I don't want to hear your thoughts does this speak to or does or can we maybe learn something on the about the role of sacraments uh in our uh, in, our, in, in our worship, in our theology. And so here's my, here's my line of thinking here, is that Jesus had told all of this story. He had given them lots of knowledge, um, knowledge with himself as the backdrop and, and, and looking at that knowledge through Jesus. They heard this, they listened, and that led them to wanting more. And it was like this intrigue, wanting, them, wanting him to stay with them. But it wasn't until this breaking of bread that their eyes were open and so is it, a, is it too much of a stretch maybe to kind of uh, use this to um, make a plug for the significance of sacraments in our worship, um, us taking communion, where it's this moment of kind of being with Christ and, and, and kind of having our eyes open to Christ and then in turn responding? What do you guys think?
2: I, I think when-
1: Go
2: ahead, go ahead, Maura. No, I was just going to say, I think that um, it's a little bit different, like when you're sitting and talking next to somebody you just met on the road, like there's a difference in the type of relationship that has, and there's an intimacy in joining around a table and sharing a meal together. And so when I think about communion, I think about our our church family gathering around that table together. Um, I think that, that yeah, that is a very uh, significant thing and a place that we should um, – like Jesus said like we do it in remembrance of him but like we should see him in that practice we should see him in in our body of believers as we participate in that together
1: yeah. and, and and you know in our theology there's a real presence in the breaking of bread and in communion we we, we don't Absolutely. just symbolically there's a presence and there's a means of grace but but I've I've often said that Communion's not meant to be a uh, standalone, but it's meant to be training for the rest of our life. That, that what we do in church, these rituals that we perform, are, are meant to train how we handle the rest of life. And so I think with communion, you, do you think that when the disciples broke bread or had, a, a, you know, sitting with bread and wine at the table, do you, do you think it was just in Passovers or, or worship services they thought of Jesus? No, I think every time they broke bread, yeah. uh, they thought of Jesus. For and sure. so I think the, the the significance of communion is it is a community practice, but it's also a practice that's supposed to be that's supposed to inform our quiet times, our times with those we love. That when we have these significant moments where there's two or three gathered, uh, we we can we can have Jesus in the midst of that. And so that means on a Thursday night what is today? Thursday? Thursday night when you've ordered Benny's pizza or whatever you got pizza from and you're I'll sitting right over. Yeah, you're sitting around your, your family table and you bring a blessing. It's not about the blessing. It's about the presence of Jesus in those moments. And so yeah. if we're trained by, if communion's just an act we do instead of something that trains us, then, you know, it's just Sunday morning. But if it's something that it's Billion to our life, that means on a Thursday night in your homes when you're breaking the bread of pizza, uh, you realize when you bless that meal that Christ is in the midst of those relationships and he enlivens them. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's one thing I love about you, Paul. I feel like you've always made such a point to talk about it as as a meal like yes the bread and the wine like that's what was on the table but like they were sharing a meal together i'm married to somebody who does not like grape juice so that is not a frequent thing in our house but when you sit there and you can extend that to they were they were sharing a meal together whatever that meal looks like we are we do this in remembrance of jesus we invite him into every meal every one of those times I, that's something that has always stuck with me and i remember i think you said one time you did communion with a uh, cake Am I remembering that? Right. And so just like to break your mind out of that and just say like, it's, it's every time when we share food together, like we are inviting him into that.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's good. That's good. Um, and that just that I like eating, uh, Jesus eating is a, is a pretty common recurrence through scripture. Uh, and especially in, in in Luke, there's lots of references of, of Jesus mm-hmm. eating. Uh, and And it's, It's always a point of who he's eating with, um, which, which I think is just, so, so again, it's this, it's this, the moment that these disciples, their eyes were open was, was when Jesus was doing like the most Jesus-y thing, (laughs) eating, eating with people,
1: um, and and being hospitable. And so that's um, why hospitality matters that the table was completely sacred to, to this culture. Yeah. And oftentimes we make it less than sacred because we sit with TV trays, and I do that too, or we go through drive throughs or we make it just something we have to do. But, but eating was life, and it was right. sacred. That's why when, when the Jews would come to eat, they would wash their hands because they were going into worship, if you will, around a table. We, we don't always get that. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's the there's and hospitality is all wrapped up into that and i'm gonna get carried away i'll stop
0: yeah i know there's so much uh, in the in the sacrament of, of that that we could we could uh we could diverge upon but uh we're, we're running short on time we don't want to take too much of your time so uh mara why don't you uh, just give us some um, maybe specific applications that you would encourage your kids and their, their families to take away?
2: Yeah, sure. This week, um, as we post our services on Sunday for the kids, the big idea kind of that's coming out of this is that, that Jesus is always with us um, whether we, whether we see him and we can really um, like sense him or not. And I think that's an important thing um, as we talk about um, leading our kids into faith and into following him is that we, as parents recognize and, and are honest with our kids, that, that we believe that, but there are times, truthfully, when we feel very lonely. And it is a, um, a, a mind over matter type of a situation almost to remind ourselves that even in our lonely moments, and I know right now a lot of our kids are feeling pretty lonely. They're missing friends. They're missing teachers. Um, is that reassurance that, that we aren't alone I think as parents, we kind of want to come in and we just wish we could fix this. We want our kids to, to not be afraid. We want our kids to have that, that normal, that routine that they're used to. Um, and I find it really comforting, I guess, that Jesus didn't come in and fix this for them. He, he sat with them in their problem. He let them pour out everything that had gone wrong. He sat there and listened um, and he led them to a deeper a deeper knowledge of him, a deeper understanding of him. And so I want to encourage our parents to be modeling that for our kids to let them rail, let them complain, let them, um, and help them to, to, to translate that into a productive activity, pray together, read the Bible together, um, do those things that are going to be faith building, but also, um, recognizing that, yeah, our kids are, are feeling pretty isolated right now.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, teens, parents of teens, um, i I've been thinking um there are a lot of hopes that are uh <laughs> hopes and dreams and things that you want that teens wanted to happen that are not going to happen yeah. um, I think of our our seniors who uh, looked forward to uh, final proms and and just final the just the fun of the end of the the school year for a senior uh, eighth graders who are finishing out at the middle school uh, I know uh, I believe. Uh, some DC trips to DC were canceled spring sports canceled Um, just lots of things that uh, that you had hoped for and looked forward to in this year they're just not going to happen or they're at least not going to happen in the way that you had hoped for and so uh, man I would encourage you to uh, well I would encourage I guess parents and just other adults to to not make light of that to acknowledge that there are hopes that um, that that they had that are just not going to, not going to happen. Uh, and, and, and I think that Jesus is modeling here for us is just that, uh, he's willing to walk through that with us, uh, these mm-hmm. dashed dreams and these expectations that aren't met. Uh, he wants to walk there, uh, alongside that with you, uh, and not just give a simple fix. And so I would encourage parents, uh, kind of like Mara said, just to, to be okay with that, to walk, uh, with your, your teens through that. Um, and then, but, but again, uh, all the while re- reminding ourselves that we still have a hope that transcends all of all of this and all of our things that we wanted to do this year that we're not getting to do. Uh, we have a hope that a resurrection or a resolution that's so much bigger than we could ever imagine. And that's not meant to just be a simple, like fix it. Okay. All, everything's better now because I know there's a bigger hope. No, that's not realistic. It's just that we can get through this, our, our dash dreams, because of a bigger hope that we have. And so I hope that that would be an encouragement to our teens and our parents of, of teens. Uh, and so Paul final words. And then, uh, why don't you close us out?
1: Well, I, to me, what, what I've been wrestling with this whole week is that these guys are, um, these guys are on this long, lonely walk of, um, hopelessness and Jesus is in the midst and they mm-hmm. don't even know it. <laughs> yeah. So, so my, um, my invitation for the congregation is to see the Jesus that's present with us, even in our long, lonely walks, <laughs> uh, that, that there's some blessings, there's some opportunities, uh, there, there's some clear things that God is doing in the midst of this. One, one of the things God's doing is conversations like this. And so I'd invite you to find a friend, uh, gather around scripture, have, have a, uh, some prayer, and just see if God does not move. Ready to pray? That's great. Let's do it. All right, Lord, we give you praise and thanks because you're worthy. Uh, we're thankful, Lord, that we can approach you as our Heavenly Father, knowing that you care for us. We're thankful, Lord, that we can ask you to uh, allow us to make your name holy. We're, we're thankful, Lord, that we can participate in your kingdom and, and your will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're thankful, Lord, that we can bring our daily ordinary lives to you and know uh, that you care. We're thankful, Lord, that that we can find forgiveness in you. And, Lord, that you will help us and enable us to forgive others. Lord, we're thankful uh, that you can direct our paths away from temptation and again, away from things that harm us. And so, Lord, we just give you praise today and we thank you for all those things. Help us to live deeply within you. Help us to love deeply with each other. And Lord, may your kingdom come in full in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.